This is Financial Standard, the definitive source of news, thought leadership and analysis for Australian wealth management professionals. Financial Standard. Take the lead. Welcome to the Financial Standard podcast. I'm speaking with Rainmaker Executive Director Alex Dunnan about the transformation shaping the Australian superannuation sector. Welcome, Alex. Howdy. Thanks for having me. Thank you. There's been a significant influx of funds into the superannuation sector last year with a notable portion going to NFP funds. How significant is that and how's that impacting the overall dynamics of the super sector? Okay, there's a lot to unpack in that question, but long story short is the superannuation market, wealth management and investment management in the Australian universe is going through quite a strange dichotomy. On one hand, it is absolutely booming, the healthiest it's ever been. On the other hand, it is, oh my God, what's about to happen? In terms of inflows, as you sort of touched on there, money is pouring in like there's no tomorrow. Uh, analysis we've done bringing in Raymaker, Reserve Bank, ABS, Plan for Life data tells us that $600 billion poured into the wealth management sector last year. It's normally about $300 billion. So it tells us that Australians, Australians have lots of money to invest. You've just got to scratch them in the right spot and encourage them to sort of pour that into your products in the nice way that suits them. Now, that's not as easy as it sounds. Now, money is going into the not-for-profits funds like there's no tomorrow. Now, why that really matters is 72% of the money that APRA regulates amongst institutional super funds is in not-for-profit. So the fact that they're attracting all all the inflows is no surprise. The real question is, what's going to happen to the retail sector? Has it failed? Is it going to recover? And I tend to think, don't underestimate your opponents because uh, the retirement boom could be a bit of a surprise package for everybody. But yeah, money's going into the industry funds. They're most of the not-for-profit sector. Uh, it's about half the funds under management, but about two-thirds, 72% of the inflows. Uh, so yeah, it's almost game over, I would say. So if it is almost game over for retail funds in terms of clawing back market share, do you not think that perhaps the falling fees and that they're now kind of comparable between NFP and retail funds, do you not think that might be a factor that which might? Oh, sure. It's de- mm. definitely a factor. But all those years of outperformance, particularly amongst default and diversified investment options, which let's be blunt is where most Australians have their superannuation, the not-for-profit funds have just ridden that wave beautifully. But it's not because they're better. It's not because they're smarter. It's not because they somehow know the secret to investment success. They've just been on the right side of history. They are primarily directly distributed products. Therefore, they are simpler. Therefore, they have lower fees. Therefore, they just have lower costs across the board. And also, another thing that ties them together is that the money is stickier so they can get involved with investment classes like unlisteds, which have done really well over the long run. It's being challenged right now, as we know. Just look at what's happening in office property. But consumers... Have been, they've been basically been dunked in that paint for a long, long time. They started to realise that if you want good, simple super with pretty reasonable rate or likelihood of getting decent returns, not-for-profit's the way to go. However, some of the really smart retail funds are really shaking the tree. And so if you start to look at fees, as you sort of picked up in your question, there's no difference between retail and not-for-profit. So anyone who runs around and says, hey, I run an industry fund, therefore I'm cheaper, well, they may as well tell us that they watch Beta Max videos. It just doesn't matter. It just tells me they're irrelevant. It tells me they know nothing about what they're talking about. They've drunk their own Kool-Aid. Well-run funds do really well. In fact, some of the top performing funds right now are retail. Not all of them, but some of the lead group. You look at the lead 10 funds, 
there's more than its fair share of retail. So it shows you that when funds are well-led, regardless of their tribe, regardless what side of the river they're on, they do really well. And that's what we're seeing right now. Broadly on performance, uh, the sector's experienced a pretty strong recovery after a challenging period in 2022. What do you think are some of the main factors contributing to that? One of the weird things about superannuation, it's got this uncanny knack of surprising us on the upside. As someone who's about to hit my 62nd birthday, probably going to start thinking about, you know, when I retire and all these kinds of things and how I might handle that. I love this news. It's fantastic. Uh, We estimate that superannuation will finish the calendar year with a return for the default options, my super, of about 9 to 10%. Who would have thought that? I mean, there was a great kick in the June month uh, that did really well for the financial year. And the Santa rally in November, December was just as fantastic, arguably even better. And so super funds have yet again, when, when it came full time on the scoreboard, they really delivered. And that just shows you that superannuation, if you kind of find a good fund that you trust, you understand what investment choices you're in and let the fund do its work, uh, they, it tends to do really, really well. And why does that happen? Well, one of the weird things, I suppose, is equities. You start looking at international equities in particular. And we can go down the rabbit hole of most of that return comes from a small number of tech stocks. Absolutely correct. But nonetheless, the index has done really, really well. So did the Australian stock market indexes. Uh, One of the probably surprise packets is we we talk a lot about alternative investment managers. For all all the media they're trying to attract, all the attention they're trying to attract, they just don't play in their weight division. Uh, there's a lot to like about hedge funds, alternatives such as private equity infrastructure, all those sorts of segments. But if you want good returns, equities just delivers it in this market. It has time and time and time again. In fact, if you want to know what's going to happen with the superannuation default indexes, you look at what's happening with the ASX, the correlation is 95%. It almost means that the more we try and diversify, the less impact it has. might even make you think about why we diversify at all. Another key point going into 2024 is that the system is increasingly focused on retirement um, and that's driven by a lot of regulatory influence and demographic shifts as well. How important and I should rather say, how much of an impact do you think that's going to have going forward? The superannuation system was built for retirees. We've now crossed the Rubicon. We've now realized it is a retirement system. Back in 2022, or from 2022 numbers, we estimated that 40% of all the dollars in superannuation was already owned by retirees. You don't need to be a forecasting mathematical genius to sort of project forward that a, a decade or two, probably by next 10, 15, definitely 20 years, two-thirds of all superannuation dollars will be owned by retirees. And that's no surprise. When you get older, you tend to have more money. When you're young, you don't have much money. Uh, and that's what we're seeing in the in the system. It's just, it's just a natural progression. It's not really happening because of new regulation. Uh, it's not happening because of those really silly retirement income covenants, which was a really good idea at the time. Really logical legislation, but really stupid at the same time. Any any trustee board that needs a regulator to tell them tell them to start thinking about their retirees is, is in the wrong business. It's just a natural progression. But this just follows demographic trends. The number of retirees is just going to be going up by 50% over the next 20 years. They're the population projections produced by the ABS for the Treasurer's um, IGR report last year. And if you didn't see the, the speech when the Treasurer, Jim Chalmers, released the report, go back, find it on YouTube, watch it. It's one of the most well-crafted political 
economic speeches that I've ever seen in my life. It is fantastic. But it paints the picture of the retirees are coming, like it or not, and the superannuation sector is going to embrace it because they're going to have to, which means they're going to get better at funds management. They're going to do it for lower fees across the board. They're going to figure out how to provide advice. They're going to figure out how to provide advice digitally, online, whatever, using AI, whatever the, the idea might be. But it's going to lead to an innovation wave, the like of which we've never seen in this industry, because you're going to have a lot of people cashed up who want good investment products, but they want them done in such a way that they make sense. Now, if retirement is so complicated that I've got to sit across the table from a human being and get them to give me personal advice about something as natural as retiring, it means our system's too complicated. So I really look forward to that really simplifying. And I'm just really thanking my lucky, st lucky stars that I'm going to be retiring just when all this magic is about to happen. What better place to be? I think it's brilliant. It also shows you that if you really want to innovate, forget about these millennial app type products that we all got really excited about five or six years ago. And one hand, great, we did. But younger people don't have money and most of those products, except for one or two, fell over. We somehow thought that, oh, we've got a really cool app, therefore I'm really good at running a super fund. Uh-uh. Running a super fund is much more complicated than, than an app. If you really want to change your world, change retiree super, but that's, all, that's also going to flow right through the food chain. It's going to be a fantastic fill for this industry. I'll finish on this point, but do you think smaller super funds can compete in this kind of environment that we have going forward? Um, you know, again, there's a big regulatory push towards, you know, improving retirement services and for a retirement focused system. And as well as that, you know, there's a lot of uh, large funds really dominating the market due to consolidation as well. You're not better because you're big, but you have such advantages when you're big. I, but I also tend to look at it the other way. One, a fund is good. Any organization is good, not because of its size, but because of its leadership. The big funds have become successful because they were well-led, but they were smaller ones too. Uh, but if you're a small fund now, that doesn't mean you've got no future, but man, you've got one hell of a job. Uh, how do you convince new employers, prospective new members to come to you rather than Australian Super, UD Super, Aware Super, Post Plus? But if you start looking at the concentration metrics, it's almost like this argument becomes self-fulfilling. Again, looking at the APRA figures, you start looking or trying to take into account the mergers that have been announced, that have been set up, that are in the pipeline that we know. You throw a blanket over the biggest five funds in the country, you get 50% of the funds management, funds under management that APRA regulates. You throw a blanket over the biggest 10, you get 75%. You throw a blanket over the biggest 20, you get 95%. We're only one or two mergers away from the biggest 20 funds controlling almost everything. But even within that, if you haven't got about, say, $20, $30 billion, I mean, that's a massive amount of money, but you're actually quite small. And if you're not in that, that league of power hitters with multiple tens of billions of dollars, as huge as that amount of money is, as huge as that threshold is, you're actually quite small. You just don't have the scale advantages. So I think you can be... Obviously, if you're well-led, you're small, you're innovative, you can do amazing things, but history is not on your side. Is there any kind of final takeaway points that you would have for listeners? Superannuation is about to go through its most exciting, most innovative period ever, just at the right time when all the retirees are coming through. That's going to deliver fantastic benefits for everybody. But the big warning is don't drink the Kool-Aid. Superannuation is not good because it's superannuation, it's good because it's of good government policy, well executed with an efficient industry. Sometimes I think the superannuation industry tends to think it's almost like an alternative government. Uh, 
advertiser come along and say, this is what we want, this is what we don't want. And this bizarre idea that we're going to change the performance test to suit ESG investment is absolute lunacy. We can't allow those kinds of things to happen. But superannuation is part of the economic infrastructure. It's really playing way above its weight in the economy. It's doing amazing things, but it's got to keep delivering. It's got to keep justifying its value because it's a competitive policy landscape now. Superannuation was created by the stroke of a pen. It can be uncreated by the stroke of a different pen. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time, Alex. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this Financial Standard podcast. For more information, visit financialstandard.com.au. Please keep in mind that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider personal circumstances. Reliance should not be placed on any content without further independent financial research and advice. 